Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast AFC Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardison, joining me on this lovely Wednesday afternoon. PFF's finest data analysts out there. The man that usually pisses off at least one fan base every single week by telling them what they're expected to do. PFF's finest. Kevin Cole. Kevin, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think out who I'm who I'm making upset this week. Maybe I want to go back to the Giants because I had them being only barely better, and they're starting to get into their five and one start. But let me tell you, Giants fans, you have an opportunity of a lifetime. Jets fans also to a degree. So both New York fan bases. The uh, the Giants are pretty significant underdogs at the Jacksonville Jaguars, three point underdogs this week. So hey, the market doesn't believe in you also. So don't take it out on us. Take it out on the sports books, make some of that money, and then laugh all the way to the bank as you prove everyone else wrong who is biased against your team. I thought it was going to be the Chiefs, weren't you? Uh, didn't you have some sick truths to tell them about that Juju Smith Schuster? You know, big yeah, like, what's wrong with these people? Seriously, what is wrong with what is wrong with me? Like people, all, all I'm doing is I'm saying if you're saying Juju has some regression coming, and I agree, he has some regression coming, but catching a like a target that's five yards downfield in the flat and breaking multiple tackles, zero tackles broken so far this season until that play, by the way, breaking like three tackles and taking it in for a score. It's not exactly like, yes, that's, that's what we've been waiting for this season. It's like, no, you've been waiting for get in the red zone and get an end zone target. Is it too much to ask for an end zone target? But God, it's shocking to me how upset people are just primed to be upset. So, you know, I'll, I'll let it, let it wash over me though. I'll do that. It was kind of peak Juju to finally get him this big day. He has two chunk gains, and it almost was like the worst he's maybe looked this year in terms of like overall explosiveness and ability to break some tackles. But to your point, he wasn't really doing it in weeks one through five either. Anyway, we'll talk about the Chiefs more in a bit. You know, continuing the tradition of starting off the AFC pod with an NFC team and then something else random. Let's get back on schedule, starting off with the AFC East. Buffalo Bills have earned their bye week. They're sitting at 5-1, and one, which takes us to the second place New York Jets, Kevin. Not the only team uh, in New York, you know, doing some big things this year. And they have won three straight with Zach Wilson under center. Now, hasn't had to do all that much. 36-21, most recently 18 pass attempts. Is this going to work out, Kevin? Because you look at the first three weeks of the year with Joe Flacco under center, second in pass play rate, last three weeks, 26th. When is a win is a win, but at some point it sure seems like Zach Wilson, these receivers are going to have to carry their weight. Yeah, it all, it all depends on what you are talking about. When you're talking about is it going to work out? Is it going to work out for Jets wide receivers or tight ends that you have on your fantasy team? Not looking so hot right now. Now, the Jets as a team – you're not going to have the ceiling with Zach Wilson playing this way. I mean, we were touting him saying highest PFF grade of his career two weeks ago, last week, lowest PFF grade of his career. So the up and down nature that we're talking about here, we're seeing it from Wilson. We're seeing it from Lawrence. We're seeing from these other guys. It just doesn't look like we're going to get the next superstar elite quarterback out of this class, but the defense has been good. The defense has been legit. Maybe it's all the Packers just falling apart, but it's been multiple weeks now where they've been able to be pretty good on that side of the ball and pretty good running the ball. You have those two elements. You don't need a ton out of quarterback play. So from a team level, I think they look good. I mean, they probably have a lot more hope now in a way to make a potential playoff, get into the playoff type of push than even the Giants right now, I think, all altogether. Um, so it all depends on your perspective and what you're aiming for. 
we have seen at least some flashes of Zach being good. It hasn't just been him terrible the entire time. He is averaging, you know, plenty respectable 10.1 yards per attempt when kept clean. The problem is 2.1 yards per attempt under pressure. That is the single biggest drop off of any quarterback in the NFL when kept clean versus under pressure. So you still see the flashes of him getting out of the pocket and just kind of taking risks downfield that other guys wouldn't. I mean, he had this throw in the end zone last week that was so incredibly irresponsible, probably should have been picked off. But just the fact he threw it instead of just tossing it into the stands. Like, again, that's why I appreciate the Zach Wilson experience for better and often usually for worse. Well, when he had that, that Corey Davis pass down the, down the sideline, um, he, he throws with style at the expense of <laughs> results, unfortunately, because it looked cool coming out of his hand. He's kind of like flinging it as he's running. Then Corey Davis had to slow down, come inside a bit, catch it, and, and, and you know, eliminated all yak opportunities. But I'm for it. I think I'm for it. I'm all about style over substance when it comes to, to a lot of these teams. So let's keep on doing it, Zach. And life in general, I think some yeah, could argue. So. But yes, Corey Davis. Not if you see my wardrobe, though. If you saw my wardrobe, <laughs> you would not agree. Speaking of Corey Davis, the Jets leading receiver still through six weeks at 351 yards on that aforementioned deep pass. Had a silky smooth double move. It's just one of those things where I think Corey Davis could have like 500 yards more than the next closest Jets receiver. And we'd probably still rank him third on his own team. But to Kevin's initial point, yes, very difficult to get behind any of these guys at this point. Elijah Moore, zero targets last week. Garrett Wilson unfortunately still losing plenty of opportunities to both of them and Braxton Berrios unless we forget Jeff Smith has to get a few snaps each and every week as well so this week in Denver Broncos favored by one and a half points game total at 39 and a half look Kevin if we have Brees Hall we're starting him if not we're not starting any of these guys it's something yeah, that, that's pretty much it I mean Hall has has been really really good he's had opportunity though is his his like expected fantasy points have also been really really good so it's not just a fluke although you know if they get into some game scripts things turn sideways you never know how much time Michael Carter will be out there since proportionally he's getting more routes still than Brees Hall um but for now you're starting him every week and you're pretty happy with what you've seen so far only three running backs this year. Top 24 finishes in each and every week. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Brees Hall. Rookie has been nothing short of fantastic so far. In third place, we have the 3-3 three and three Patriots. Quarterback competition in the air, Kevin. Bailey Zappi versus Mac Jones. Hey, even if it's one of these things where we're just like, all right, no, it's Mac Jones' team. Hats off to Bailey Zappi for the job he's done over these past three weeks. 24, 29, and 38 points for a Patriots offense that was starting to catch their stride a little bit against the Ravens before Mac Jones got hurt but before that man it really was quite the fall off from last year's reigning six-ranked scoring offense but just with Zappy, I, I do love sometimes Kevin when we can paint the picture using analytics of what we're actually seeing out there on the film and I think we can do that pretty easily with him because he's making all the easy throws and that's really it he has, does not have a single big time throw this season he's got the second lowest turnover worthy play rate he's got the number one quarterback rating eighth highest PFF passing grade number three in yards per attempt he's the second most accurate quarterback how long can this keep up though because hey if zappy's just going to consistently make the right decision every single play who gives a shit about your style points you know we just talked about preferring zach wilson's style over substance but for the goal of winning football games i understand why nfl teams might prefer someone like bailey zappy so how sustainable is this style of play kevin and do you actually are you actually entertaining the bailey zappy versus mac jones debate I'm not. I, I, I do think it's funny that we had we were subjected to five billion uh, 
congratulatory tweets of people patting themselves on the back about the fact that Cooper Rush, there was no quarterback controversy between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. And those same people a day later will be like, Bailey Zappi, maybe we got a quarterback controversy going under. So, no, I don't see it. Fourth round rookie has been fine last week. He at least threw the ball a lot. I thought it was impressive what he did on these kind of like middle down and distance sort of situations, moving the chains, things like that. He also had, you know, Hunter Henry just running completely wide open. He also had Johnny Smith catching a pass, breaking a couple tackles and running after the catch for another 30, 40 yards. He also had Ramondre Stevenson scoring a 31 yard touchdown on third and 10 <laughs> that, you know, the defense was not exactly making him work for it a lot there. The Browns defense was doing the Browns defense sort of thing a little bit more, but he definitely seems like he's functional. If anything, I think he's playing himself into maybe a very lucrative, like Chase Daniel type of career trajectory. And when you can get that sort of bag, that's a very high outcome for a fourth round draft pick. Okay, I didn't actually click on the story, but Shefty retweeted it. Chase Daniel has a second job still. This dude has run the hottest of any maybe professional athlete ever, and he feels the need to work a second job while he's still employed in the NFL. What the hell, man? Dude won the jackpot, and he's still showing up for, like, extra work. I I, I hate that mindset. Come on, man. Like, what are we even doing here on the planet if you can't make $40 million and do nothing while doing it and then not enjoy it the rest of your life? Couldn't be me, Kevin. Moving on, though, to Monday Night Football. The Patriots are home against the Bears, favored by eight points. Came total out of lowly 39.5. NFL just spoiling us with all these, uh, you know, primetime shootouts lately in New England. Look, Ramondre Stevenson, the running back, y'all. You actually had a nice chart, Kevin, showing that he had the most valuable workload in week six. He did get the two touchdowns. Honestly, could have had a third. Got stuffed twice there at the goal line. So, yes, Ramondre Stevenson, get him in there. Hey, just because Ramondre Stevenson is really good and doing his thing, we don't have to completely shit on Damian Harris. One cool stat I found this week, I like looking at the percentage of carries that a running back has at least two yards after contact. I think that's a better way of kind of presenting that statistic versus, you know, Hey, guy breaks an arm tackle at a line of scrimmage and picks up 80 yards after contact. Damon Harris, the only running back in the NFL with over 80% of his carries this year, including at least two yards after contact, only running back under 50%. James Robinson. We'll talk more about him in a bit, but once Damon Harris is back, okay, we'll start discussing, you know, what that split looks like as long as he's out there, keep Stevenson in there I think the only other guy worth talking about in this offense Kevin that we can really trust Hunter Henry okay still working pretty much full-time but John who is back on the up and up it's what to make of rookie wide receiver Tyquan Thornton now last week Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, still the clear-cut top two guys in this offense. We're hearing some trade murmurs about Kendrick Bourne. He's a little bit banged up in his own right. But to be fair, Thornton, guy that got a lot of hype in training camp, he's made the most out of his opportunities so far. Is he someone that you actually think we could be feeling good about throwing in the flex spot moving forward or one big game in an offense that should still be run heavy more weeks than not? Probably not a guy to get overly hyped up about. Yeah, I don't think we get overly hyped up about him. I mean, he is a role type of guy right he looks like he weighs about 175 soaking wet with uh weights in his shoes and he runs a 4-2 so that's good it's good in certain certain circumstances i think he has been able to function outside of that field stretching role but then we saw last week he got a little fantasy goodness on a rushing play and that's going to happen sometimes it's not going to happen a lot i just think there are too many functional but not elite options on this offense and he's another one to add to the mix I just don't see him being really like a target hog type of situation that's going to differentiate himself when there may not be the total passing volume there 
Dolphins last place at the moment, but they are getting to a back, sitting at three and three. And it's just amazing to me, Kevin, how our guy Skylar Thompson under center, unfortunately, he got injured. He was moving the offense. Really, I mean, that dude, the throw over the middle of Jalen Waddle, like I had to rewatch that thing three or four times. You know, I had, had to put the blinds down, make sure no one was watching me over there in the kitchen. <laughs> unfortunately, uh, <laughs> the offensive line was moving the offense backwards the, the entire time. So that, that was that helpful. drive where they had like four penalties, one after another, it was like third and 30. And they're still picking up chunk gains, <laughs> chunk uh, gains because you know only God can stop Skylar Thompson, I guess. But hey, Teddy Bridgewater comes in, he starts playing well, you know, starts showing why he's you know covering pretty much every game he gets into these days. And of course, too, it was impressing before the injury. You add it all together in this offense, despite only having really three and a half games of Tua. Number 10 in EPA per pass play, second in yards per attempt, 11th in explosive pass play rate, and eighth in overall team QB rating. So how much of this, Kevin, as much as I would love to sit here and just talk Skylar Thompson for an hour, and if you want to do that, that's okay, but how much of Teddy and Skylar keeping this offense moving has kind of changed your mind potentially about Tua's hot start in the season, if it has at all? Um, I don't think it's changed my mind that much. Again, my thesis coming into the year was Alex Smith, 2017 was what we were going to hope for. I think that was basically what we were getting, maybe even a little bit on steroids those first couple of seasons. I was happy to see that. And I think that's what's going to continue. I mean, he's going to regress some. I look at all the different quarterback metrics as far as the different situational stuff for how they're playing. And the one thing that sticks out for Tua was outperformance on third and fourth down. So that's not going to necessarily continue. I don't think it's like Carson Wentz. Talk about 2017. He was a guy in 2017 who had this massive outperformance in late downs, which never really reappeared in his career. But I think with those options, a very narrow passing game, they're really just throwing it to these guys in volume. That will continue. You're always going to get potentially big plays. Now now it's time for Skylar Thompson talking. <laughs> I, got, I got my notes here. 85.6 grade for Skylar Thompson. Okay, uh, If we count the penalty throws, 9.4 yards per attempt, uh, 16, 10, 10 out of 16 for 150 yards, plus two drops, which would have led to at least another 15, 20, perhaps even more yards there. So, yeah, when, when he comes back, maybe we don't immediately bench Tua, but, you know, <laughs> wait a couple of weeks and then we can move him immediately back into the starting lineup, I feel like. I, I just love the way this dude's been playing all preseason into the regular season. You know, we didn't want to be too hard on him for having to come off the bench. You know, the previous week when Teddy gets sacked on the first play, ah, just one of the biggest what ifs, I think, of 2022, you know, football and real life. What would have happened if Skyler just hadn't gotten that right thumb injury? We may never know. This Sunday night, it's going to be Dolphins at home against the Steelers. Dolphins favored by seven points against either Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. Game total at just 44 and a half. So, we got Tyreek Hill. My God, man. I was looking at those uh, next-gen, you know, route tree things with Tyreek and his four biggest games this year. Just the way they use him, like, you know, any offense, if you can't figure out how to get your ball to the number one wide receiver on your team, go look at how Mike McDaniel was using Tyreek Hill. And I think Tyreek Hill even said after the game, like, to a reporter that if that dude was throwing him the ball, he'd still be able to put up some numbers. I don't disagree at this point. So we got Tyreek. We got Waddle. I mean, I'm not going to really rely on Mike Jasicki necessarily going out there, scoring two touchdowns every week with that said i appreciate it because watching him do the gritty is the only thing that brings me joy these days in the backfield though kevin we have raheem Mostert. he's the lead back but it just hasn't 
been like his snap rates, his kind of volume of the backfield. We've seen guys with similar usage in other backfields have far more fantasy production. And to this point, most are just the RB 39 expected PPR points per game. Okay. You take away the first two games and really look at him being cemented. He's still just 25th. So as much as I see the backfield going to Raheem Mostert, is he someone that you really find yourself like actively trying to start? Cause over these past couple of weeks, man, I just, I look at the Dolphins offense and if I get a close start to set decision with Mostert, usually taking the other guy. Cause again, I think the two guarantees in Miami are Tyree Cohen, and Jalen Waddle. Maybe we'll get a Mostert week here and there. Maybe we'll get a Secchi week uh, here and there. I'm just not confident in really any running back on this roster being this consistent high end fantasy piece. Yeah, I mean, he was basically splitting routes with Chase Edmond, who's kind of getting back into the picture. And, you know, this offense, I know that it's the, you know, the, the tree of Shanahan running the ball, this and that. But still, even with Skylar Thompson, even with Teddy Bridgewater, it doesn't matter who it's really been this season. They like to throw it around. They like to throw it around the, a yard, the yard a little bit. So if you're not going to get hyper efficiency, from someone like uh, Raheem Mostert, which you can get sometimes, but if you're not going to get that, we're still talking about a team now that's in the top 10 in pass rate over expectation. That's with significant time being played by Teddy Bridgewater and a seventh round rookie quarterback. They're still slinging at them. That just means there's going to be a lower ceiling to what we're going to see for, for Mostert. First place in the AFC North, we got the Baltimore Ravens sitting at just three and three, though. Man, Lamar Jackson fever weeks one through three. Dude had 12 total touchdowns. You know, I was, you know, throwing out the MVP stuff. Everyone was hyped. Only three total scores over the last three weeks. 20, 19, and 20 real-life points against the Bills, Giants, and Bengals. So, hey, three good teams. You know, close losses there with a narrow win. I'm not saying it's time to completely panic or anything as an organization. But is this something, Kevin, we should be paying more attention to with Lamar? Because, hey, it's three weeks of him looking like the freaking overall fantasy QB1 world beater Lamar 2019 is back, baby. Last three weeks looked a lot more like kind of what we saw in 2020, 2021. A lot of missed opportunities on the table. I mean, Duvernay probably could have had three touchdowns the last two weeks with some better balls. Andrews have one sale. Uh, we even had I think, Powell or whoever the hell that was two weeks ago miss a wide open one. So a couple passes away, you know, from those point totals certainly being in the upper 20s. But what have you seen, if anything, that's been different about Lamar over these past three weeks? Could it just be an issue of Rashad Bateman not being out there? Or is it a bigger problem with maybe defenses figuring out the scheme? No, I don't think it's a – I never really go with the figure out the scheme sort of situation when you've had a successful quarterback for this long a period of time. So I don't think that's it. I think he had some unsustainable production those first couple of weeks, in particular the long runs and some of the long passes, uh, especially the run after catch by Bateman you know, in one of the games there. So that's been gone. It hurts that Bateman's not there, but I like you know internals underneath how, the, how he's been playing this season – and he's still rushing the ball. He's still getting production in multiple ways. Mark Andrews, that connection is obviously still there. So I think it's fine going forward. I think it's just where he stands, you know, who he's going to be this season. He's not going to be QB1, okay? Uh, we can crown Josh Allen, I think. <laughs> I think already on that. Um, but he's not going to be outside of the top three, I don't think, either. He's going to regress back up from what we've seen the last couple of weeks. And that's just who he's, that's just who he's going to be. Don't expect high, high-end passing numbers and high high and rushing numbers like we saw in week one every week but expect good production from him maybe not the overall QB one on the year he is the overall QB one in week seven with Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts on by so he does have that's that for sure going for him this week 
First, Cleveland at home. Ravens sitting at six and a half point favorites. Game total about 45 and a half. So mentioned Duvernay. It's just behind Mark Andrews, it's always going to be tough for these guys in the offense. So if Rashad Bateman stays out, I do think Duvernay is still someone that's tough to, you know, rank much outside your top 40, if at all. Still, though, we just got to realize it's going to be a little bit sporadic. The other question here is what to make of this backfield. So J.K. Dobbins. Got taken out early last week. Harbaugh was saying it was not a knee injury, Kevin. You know, it's just sore. So there's a big difference there, apparently. So we shouldn't be. I, I heard different descriptions. I heard locked up. That doesn't sound good. That none doesn't it, sound good. None of it yeah. sounds good. And even before yeah. we got these post game, ex- I don't want to say excuses. It's the guy's knee locked up or whatever the hell happened to it. Even before that, last week, Drake outsnapped J.K. Dobbins in a week where we weren't getting those, you know, notes after the game. So, that's, man, J.K. Dobbins, I was still trying to treat him as this low-end, borderline RB2. This week, man, I got him and Drake basically hovering in that mid-tier RB3 range. Basically, the point that I put, guys, if I don't want to start them unless I really have to. We still have Justice Hill out of the picture with the hamstring injury. For the time being, Gus Edwards' return from the pup list does seem to be coming sooner rather than later. Like, just no to starting this backfield because as awesome as Drake was this last week, not exactly the sort of performance that we can hang our hat on expecting more of that moving forward. Yeah, I don't think so. Although I'm probably a little bit more concerned about Dobbins and maybe his ability to even play um, this week. We'll, we'll see. I mean, well, yeah, we'll see what ends up happening here, but you know, I guess we're in bye weeks, right? We're in bye weeks. So if you have Kenyon Drake and you need someone to play. I mean, I would play Drake before uh, above Dobbins this week for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll get more injury information as we hear for the rest of the season. I don't see any reason for him not to control that backfield. And what I think was what was funny is earlier this year when I was talking about the Ravens having trouble running the ball with their running backs, I was assured by lots of people telling me, but once J.K. Dobbins is there, that's the whole problem. Kenyon Drake's a problem. Now, Kenyon Drake is busting off, you know, 50-yard runs uh, or 40-yard runs on these different plays. So, again, guys, running backs, let's, let's face it, they're all they're all good. They can all run pretty well. Um, I guess the question for Dobbins now, you have to be a little bit concerned about his long term because he was someone, you know, dunking on Rappaport, dunking on anyone who would get into his zone about how he was going to come back. And then he didn't come back. So if you're going to take that as an indication, it sounds like a player who may be pushing himself too early, too quick to come back. Might not have been ready, might want bitten off a little bit more than you can chew. So in that circumstance, I would say take your time and get healthy and not make this another season ending type of situation. The whole thing was weird with him getting active. He was practicing in full all week, and then he still wasn't playing, being listed as questionable. And just when you're an NFL running back coming off a major knee injury like that, doesn't seem something that you can like put someone out there in live games like at a limited workload and just expect it to work out. Hey, I'm not someone that's a doctor or a head NFL coach, and obviously the Ravens, you know, have years and years of success behind them, telling us that they know what they're doing. But to this point, certainly not helping Dobbins' counting statistics. What you said though is true i mean maybe we do actually see him get some rest here and again justice hill gus edwards certainly don't seem like they're going to be factors this week so if we take all of them out of the picture we have seen mike davis pretty much be in the doghouse throughout the season at that point it would be tough to keep Kenyon drake out of the top 24 but like if all those guys are out kevin like would you go Kenyon drake or clyde edwards uh I think I would go Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but it's close. It's close. I mean, I have Drake. I think I have him in the low 30s now. If Dobbins, if I felt more comfortable about Dobbins being out, I would put him somewhere in the 20s. So I don't know. It would be a coin flip to me. I think, I don't know. You know, I'm really not a Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fan. That's my problem. (laughs) I just don't like sitting around hoping 
you know, hoping that a guy that you don't really, you're not really confident about his workload or how good he is, is going to score just based upon the, the, the offense. So I don't know. I might go Drake. I, I'd flip a coin and figure it out, I guess. I got CH RB 22, Jeff Wilson, RB 23. That's right about the spot that I'd be looking at with yeah. Drake. Should those other guys be out? All right. Second place your Cincinnati Bengals three and three. Wanted to ask you, Kevin, how sticky is some of this deep ball stuff? Because we have seen Burrow 2020 really terrible. I mean, 33rd in PFF passing grade, throwing downfield, and he was only doing it at the 19th high, highest rate in the league. They get Jamar Chase, and oh my gosh, you had Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow back together. They're a top five group in pretty much everything. This year, though, they really haven't gotten it going. I mean, Jamar Chase led the NFL last year with eight touchdowns on passes thrown at least 20 yards downfield. The next closest wide receiver was Tyler Lockett, which is five. This year still doesn't even have one. He did drop one last week. He caught two more later, so it wasn't that big of a deal, obviously, in the stat sheet but is this something that we should just expect them to get fixed because we now have seen them be pretty mediocre 17th in pff passing grade 22nd in yards per attempt or is this more so the normal in cincinnati and last year was actually them really just exceeding what we should be expecting out of them i think maybe what we saw out of them this last week would be more of the normal i mean you're not going to get 85 yards after contact of receiving work from Jamar Chase on a week-in, week-out basis. So I'm not saying you're going to get that, but I think that some of the deep passes that we saw last year are going to be more difficult to get. Everyone is leaning into protecting against that defensively. It's not just a Joe Burrow issue this season, although it's affecting him more than some others because of how reliant he was on it last season. So there was more, there was further to fall for him. But I think that he's starting to get things going a bit here. If you look at how they played offensively in the shotgun, every single snap other than a QB sneak and a QB kneel, uh, they're leaning into that. Only ran the ball 10 times. Uh, stop giving it to Joe Mixon and you know, two yards in a cloud of dust back to the defense is not what you want from Joe Burrow. I think this is what you do want. Hit the guys in stride, allow them run after the catch. catch. We talk about these long passes for Jamar Chase. I mean, the dude is a beast when it comes to run after the catch also. And I think that is even more of how he's going to be utilized because generally as far as his depth of target in this game, it wasn't like they fully flipped the script here. I mean, 10.8 average depth of target, not that high. Uh, T. Higgins was only at 7.2. Tyler Board at 6.3. Um, so Jamar Chase higher at 10.8, but they weren't stretching him down the field a ton in this game. It's really just going to be utilizing more of that run after the catch. This week, they are home against the Falcons. Six-point favorites game total at 47.5. I am expecting Jamar Chase to get that A.J. Terrell shadow, but this year, it just hasn't been that big of a deal. Ranked outside PFF's top 90 cornerbacks in coverage. Oh, it's PFF coverage grades. What the hell do you guys know? He's allowed a league-high seven touchdowns. So as awesome as 2021 was for A.J. Terrell, 2022 has not cornerback play. You can say it's been very volatile year to year. It's probably the single hardest position to play in football at a high level consistently. So this is not a shit on AJ Terrell hour. It is a continue to start your studs and as Jamar Chase. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to save the shit started. on cornerback year over year for JC Jackson. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Ted, <laughs> oh, what, what did he finish? Uh, dead last? Okay. Yeah, that is what he's at right yeah, now. That, that evaluation is hard at cornerback, people. It is hard.
Nixon still our one true king expected RB1, and he is starting to get some of that good old-fashioned regression with two touchdowns in his past three weeks. Man, and like just looking at this offense as a whole, he only has one touchdown in the first six weeks. Like, If there is anyone out there that is treating Joe Mixon as more so of the upside RB2 he's been, and you can get him, I do think we're going to see Mixon you know, putting up something more close to the top five, top eight numbers he had last year the rest of the way. Yeah, so you have Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, whose routes were all the way back to normal last week so we're back on team start t higgins every single week even if there's a fire hopefully his health only improves the only other thing i would bring up here is just that hayden Hurst has set up pretty damn well this week against the falcons defense bottom three in receptions and receiving yards allowed to opposing tight ends that's what helped get us on to the george kittle big game last week to begin with so with that said let's talk now about another quarterback situation going on i don't think there's too much controversy but we don't know who's gonna be under center for your third place two and four steelers Kenny Pickett still in the concussion protocol, which I have no idea what that means, Kevin. I see these reports and they say, oh, the quarterback, he's fine. He's not going to be limited in practice. He's passed all the tests, but he's still in the concussion protocol. I have no idea what the concussion protocol is these days. Uh, Regardless, if he's out there, he should be starting. That's what Mike Tomlin told us. And with that said, man, 12th in adjusted completion rate this season. Now the yards per attempt, 35th, even behind uh, one Mitchell Trubisky. But he's basically played two full games against the Jets, Bills, and Buccaneers. I mean, that is a pretty brutal way to start out your NFL career, especially on top of the same issue we saw, you know, impact fields and some of these other guys throughout the last few years where he starts off the year as the backup. So it's kind of expected that he's going to take a little time to gel with the starters. So I will say this, man, as the schedule gets better, which this week they are in Miami on Sunday night football, not great. Maybe, you know, they can take advantage of that banged up secondary more on that in a little bit. Then they got the Eagles uh, in Philly before their bye week. So After kind of these two rough patches, again, in Miami and Philly, he's coming off a concussion. I'm not expecting him to completely go off Sunday night, but do you think this passing game could enable more than one, like Deontay and George Pickens to some actual heights down the stretch, or unfortunately is what we've seen so far this year, probably what we're going to get the rest of it. I mean, we're probably going to get what we've seen so far, but they're, they have a situation now where, I mean, the, Chase Claypool, like arriving out of nowhere last week, which Trubisky has unlocked him. No, he's just, you know, he'll disappear again. Um, so you just need, like, if Claypool pops up, then you're really in trouble as far as getting home with Pickens and Johnson since, like, no one is starting Chase Claypool anymore. So I, he he, he was, did a lot of work on the waiver wire or on people's benches this last week. That's going to be the problem. When you have a low uh, ceiling passing game generally, and that's what it's been, then it's hard to get home. I think Pickett is going to definitely be the preferred option for these guys going forward, despite the fact that Trubisky was better this week. And as you mentioned it, we're all out of whack when it comes to the concussion protocol now because the Miami Dolphins are not allowed to start quarterbacks out of the concussion protocol. But Mike Tomlin pretty much said if he can start, if he's out of the protocol, he'll play, which is the normal way things work. So hopefully that's the way things are going to be. Because it was a Dolphins thing that confused me so much in the first place when Teddy Bridgewater is like, did they just straight up pick Skylar Thompson over Teddy Bridgewater? Because I don't know how you can have a quarterback only for emergency purposes coming off a concussion. This is not a. Yeah, I I think they like getting Thompson out there. But, you know, Tua was also out of the protocol this for, for last week, too. So I don't know what's going on there. They're just they're just being having to be extra cautious, at least when it came to Tua. I think between Teddy and Skyler, I think they just decided it was more of a coin flip situation. So why not go with the rookie? 
quick note that I just saw pop up on the news. Uh, speaking of this Sunday night matchup, Jalen Waddle did not practice on Wednesday due to a shoulder injury, but Mike McDaniel is optimistic that he plays week seven. So optimistic, a little bit different than he's going to be out there and play. So, you know, definitely be aware of the situation on Sunday night. You always got to have the backups, you know, ready to go in that game or Monday night. So sorry, Jalen Waddle fantasy managers. You might have some problems there coming into Sunday, but obviously, you know, just stay tuned. You can check out the PFF fantasy football podcast every Friday afternoon where myself and Nick Bodiford go through every single fantasy relevant injury. So we did get non steel plate Najee last week out there. Kevin caught one of the easiest uh, swing pass touchdowns you'll ever see. But again, it's, I'm not here to point out all the efficiency stats that say Najee's this bad running back. Cause guess what? Those were honestly there last year as well. Other than him forcing a bunch of missed tackles, he hasn't been efficient. We can point to the passing game. We can point to the offensive line. It's a team sport. That's all fine. The problem is this year, he is 17th in expected PPR points per game at 13 and a half last year. He was second at 19.7 behind only Derrick Henry. And the big issue is in the receiving game. He's on pace to only catch 42 and a half passes last year. He caught 74, two, 202 receiving yards is a 17 game pace right now. Last year is at 476. So basically, Kevin, the question is, do you see this changing? Because it looks like Jalen Warren, even though he isn't going to take over this backfield or anything like that, he's certainly playing more than any running back we saw involved behind Najee last year. Yeah, yeah. When it looks for routes, um, Najee ran half of the routes, 17 of 34. Jalen Warren was in there with 12 and then they have, you know, pickings this year. They can more credibly run some, some empty stuff where they don't even have a running back on the field than they have in the past. So it's not going to be 2021 Najee where he's just never leaves the field basically and is soaking up, you know, 10 targets from uh check down Roethlisberger. It's just fortunately not going to happen this season. Also in breaking news, DK Metcalf has requested a fantasy trade. Kevin, not a trade from the Seahawks, but someone complained about his fantasy points. So he said, trade me then. I think that is a great uh, thing that future players should get behind more demanding trades. Not in real life, but just in fantasy. Keep those managers on edge. You always got to worry about that team chemistry, man. We can't have uh, too many divas out there not appreciating the cause, of course. In last place in the AFC North, we have the two and four Cleveland Browns. We said a lot of good things about the Cleveland Browns the first three, four weeks of the year, but this is not going to be one of those segments, Kevin, because Jacoby is starting to turn back into Jacoby this season PFF passing grade this is the nicest thing we can probably point to he's 16th among 38 quarterbacks with at least 50 dropbacks but go ahead hate on PFF take your traditional statistics he's 31st in QB rating he's 29th in yards per attempt he's 28th in adjusted completion rate back to PFF 12th in big time throw rate 28th in turnover worthy play rate Last week was his first truly brutal game. Again, we have seen some good ones out of Jacoby. Now he was facing Bill Belichick and the Patriots last week. I get it. For some reason, that's the one coach that you can face in this football league. Play like shit, and then people just completely give you a pass each and every time. And yeah, I guess you guys earned the reputation for being able to get that benefit of the doubt. But man, Nick Chubb and company, they're first in EPA per run play. They're 19th per pass play. I feel like this is what we're going to see more getting forward, Kevin. Or do you see, have you seen anything from Jacoby to suggest that the 2022 version of him is going to steady the ship? No. And I'm, I'm kind of surprised it took this long Me to too. see yeah. <laughs> a game like this, uh, taking sacks. The bad decisions had come, although they had come at the end of games. We saw some break, um, back breaking interceptions. This time it came 
think on the first or second play of the of the game. And then there was another drive where he threw an interception on the first play of that drive. So this is just who he is. And against good competition, it's going to be tough for Nick Chubb to get the right game script that he needs in order to produce, especially when the defense is really the problem. The defense cannot stop anybody. That puts them all in a very, very bad situation. I thought what was interesting is Brissett had also been getting a boost when it came to EPA per play for the fact that he's a very effective runner. In fact, in third and fourth and one situations in his career, he had converted 29 of 30 of those in his career. He failed on a fourth and one in this game. So everything was going against Brissett and the Browns this week. That's one of the best stats you always hear on those broadcasts. They're getting cocky with him, man. That was a long one that they tried to really get uh, <laughs> Jacoby to sneak there. Did not uh, pull through. I also love the league-wide trend of now teams just, hey, when you, okay, Jacoby's a big, sturdy guy. I get that. Jalen Hurts, too. I think I saw someone tweet that. Jo- no, it wasn't a uh, – oh, okay, I'm sorry. It was the uh, Michigan running back. What? Uh, quorum or whatever they're like quorum could probably leg press a school bus uh, full of children that's how i feel about jalen hurts like we've seen the oklahoma squat video certain quarterbacks okay put them there i don't think they're at a ton of risk but the ever you know ever popular practice now of them just taking the tight ends shuffling them behind center and qb sneaking it or you have the tight end i saw the eagles do this with dallas goddard literally stand right behind the quarterback and just shove them with all their might. Now that they took away, uh, you know, the freaking, you can just push players as long as you want these days. It's kind of be a silly rule that they ignored in the first place. But Kevin, like in five years, could quarterback sneaks just become tight end sneaks like more times than not? Cause that seems to be just from the eye test, what we're seeing more than ever this year. It's been a fun little, you know, wrinkle dinkle in there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. Um, but you know, Brissett is interesting when they signed him, I thought, this is an interesting signing just to have a backup quarterback who can run these types of plays pretty effectively too. I don't, the problem is if they're going to like, you know, really bunch up those a gaps, then you don't have that option. And so you need to make sure that you have a situation like how they run it, where they don't just, you know, it's not like the tight end is playing quarterback. They still have the quarterback in there. They still haven't come in there. Uh, But do you want your quarterback then doing the Bush push uh, for the tight end in that situation or not? Uh, What we'll end up seeing, we'll end up seeing going forward. Final note here with the Browns in Baltimore this week. Baltimore six and a half point favorites. Game total of 45 and a half. Last week sucked for Kareem Hunt, and he is only on pace for 48 targets this season. Just realized, you know, as long as Nick Chubb's out there, we are going to have some duds here. Continue to treat him as a borderline RB2 more weeks than not. David Njoku, though, really going out there. He's been helping the fantasy squads. And just honestly, every single advanced metric you want to pull out, the guy is looking more and more like an elite tight end. That's all he's been this year. Third in yards per out run behind only Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. He's third in PFF receiving grade behind those guys as well. Fourth in yards per reception. I mean, Kevin, like right now, David Njoku, he's increasingly becoming tough and tougher and tougher to rank, you know, outside the top six, top eight. I have a fantasy team with Kyle Pitts and David Njoku on it, just like I know plenty of other people do out there because we all just collectively have to agonize on a weekly basis about which one of these guys we're picking. So I'm not saying that that's going to consistently, you know, just be the Joku here for the next five, six weeks. It is still a conversation for sure. But once Deshaun Watson gets back, man, like David Njoku might be the consensus tight end three. Like it's possible. It's close. It's closer there. I mean, I think there's just a lack of weapons outside of Amari Cooper in this particular game. You had a little bit. I saw some people drawing up some stuff, a little bit of the Belichickism of trying to take away the top option and take away Amari Cooper here. So that was part of it. But when it comes to Peoples Jones, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, not a whole lot else there. You mentioned Kareem Hunt. Um, Jacoby Brissett is not really a 
running back check down sort of guy that kind of goes hand in hand with someone who holds on to the ball too long in, in that sort of situation. I think it's a pretty strong relationship there. Uh, maybe Watson will be someone who will look to toss it out to the running back a little bit more often um, as opposed to uh, Najoku. But you're right. He's doing great so far this season. There's You're happy. You're very happy if you have him with the landscape at tight end. I want to give a quick shout out to some sponsors before we continue with some AFC South chatter. No house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Playing pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning 250k plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all your picks. Better up to five player prop over unders or individual player matchups across every major sport. Sports League, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code FANTASYPFF at NoHouseAdvantage.com or download the app on the App Store to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Also got to love our friends over at Western Southern. The PFF Fantasy Football Podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves, buying your first home, plan to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. Also, finally, everyone, Underdog, even though Best Ball Mania has ended, Underdog Fantasy is still the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season with their Pick'em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats. Pick whether you think they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that number in this week's game. You can and win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players for your pick entry. Get all your picks right, and you'll take home some cold, hard cash. It's simple to get started. Just head on over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up a promo code PFF, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code PFF. Get in on the action today. Kevin, I understand you have some really important breaking news. I wish I did. Oh. I don't know. This one, this one's stretching it a little bit. Okay, I got something here, but I don't know if it really qualifies. It says Josh Allen's hurdle. I guess I don't know. Are we going back to like when he was a rookie or something? No, he Josh just had one last hurdle. week. That was dope. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about the one. Okay, Josh Allen's hurdle inspired a street name change in Buffalo <laughs> with a cutout on top of it. So there's Hurdle Drive or something in Buffalo now. So I don't know how like player to street name analytics how those go together but we may uh, i'll do some research i'll get back to you next week we, we can dive into it we'll see we'll see this is his first week playing with street named hurdle in buffalo so that's all i got i want to apologize to all the listeners last week you know you guys you guys heard it i mean kevin and i came out here we told you guys about the ping pong table and unfortunately you know the story just developed so much more truly that is so funny how mike mcdaniel like lauds the players for getting rid of the ping pong table getting the focus and then tyreek has to be like yeah coach actually we just had to we had to get a better ping pong table like come on that's yeah, the exact communication topic. where's the communication in this organization is everyone moving in the same direction i don't know is there a mutiny perhaps going on Players only meeting uh, around the ping pong table, I think, is the next thing that's coming. 
your AFC South leaders fresh off their week six by your Tennessee Titans at three and two big game this week against the second place Indianapolis Colts Tennessee favored by two and a half game total at 43 and a half we got some pretty cool behind the scenes tools at PFF Kevin one of my favorites is yards per route run it's just one of those things in football we're always dealing with small sample sizes so what's our largest sample size for any pass catcher it's going to be their total routes and what's more stable than touchdowns yards thus we have yards per route run and this season 53 runs Running backs have run at least 50 routes. None, Kevin, have averaged more yards per route run than Derrick Henry. Doncho Hilliard is up there. Ryan Tannehill this year, 9.5 yards per attempt on passes behind the line of scrimmage. The next closest quarterbacks are Matthew Stafford and Jimmy G at 7.3 and 7.2. Now, passes behind the line of scrimmage, you know, it's the easiest job in all sports. And it makes sense that this is the more so the scheme plays more than anything. And Stafford and Jimmy G have consistently been at the top of this list ever since Sean McVay and Jimmy Garo- and uh, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan took over those respective offenses. So is this something that we could expect to continue out of here, Kevin? Because to the Titans credit, man, they lost AJ Brown and no, things haven't been quite as prolific, but with Henry and Hilliard making up some of that slack in the passing game. I mean, this is a wide receiver room that as a whole, combined has zero top 24 finishes from everyone involved do you think henry and hillary can kind of keep making chicken salad out of this chicken shit in the passing game yeah i mean someone's gonna have to i mean as you mentioned there's just no one to throw it to i mean even at tight end when they brought in austin hooper has been basically a non-entity as far as putting up points Traylon burks is still out is going to continue to be out now i would be slightly interested slightly i'm not it's not i'm not going too far slightly interested in robert woods for the fact that again burks is still out we have woods when we talked about these players ramping up after a major injury like that we got the bye week got a little bit more time to the season maybe he can actually be somewhat productive in game scripts where they have to throw the ball you're right he's never been better than wide receiver 27 so far in any week a couple of weeks ago but he was 27 and then 51 and they didn't have to pass it a whole lot so i don't know he maybe i'm just saying desperation if desperation is really sitting in i'm sure you can put him on your roster put him in there no burks maybe you'll actually get like 75 yards and a touchdown or something like that this week i have woods as my wide receiver 37 one spot behind devin duvernay assuming bateman's out ahead of guys like zay jones tyler boyd josh reynolds so hey Put him in the flex. I could see it happening. He is going to be the guy if it's going to happen for that at well. Otherwise, start Derrick Henry. And yeah, we'll see if the Titans can go ahead, stay on top of this division. Again, they are facing off against the Colts this week. And credit to Matt Ryan. This was a game where... He completed exactly one pass thrown 20 yards downfield, and it was the game-winning touchdown to Alec Pierce. My God, Jacksonville, it's a crosser. How many damn times do you need to see this play before you just do anything to try to stop it? They didn't. Matt Ryan, 389 yards passing and three touchdowns through the air. With that said, are, are we buying anything in this offense other than Michael Pittman being really good and hopefully Jonathan Taylor coming back? Well, you, you know, there's some hope for Alec Pierce also. He's someone who started off slower than other rookies. I mean, he was a second-round rookie. Um, you may, He had that catch to end the game, which is not, again, with Matt Ryan, is not necessarily something you're going to be expecting to happen on a game-by-game basis. But 
He had a couple other catches in this game. He wasn't targeted a lot, but he still had seven targets. So we had some missed opportunities to maybe pile up some more production in the previous game against the Denver Broncos. He had nine tar eight catches, nine targets, 84 yards leading the team there. He had 80 yards the week before that 60 yards the week before that. So after a very slow start, he's at least putting up some production. So maybe you can get interested in him. and they, they can't really run the ball. So they might have to lean further into this passing game, whether they want to or not. Um, I just want to point out for running backs don't matter, at least in fantasy truthers, Deion Jackson, that was a, not an efficient running game at three and a half yards per carry. But then again, Jonathan Taylor, not so hot in that category either, but they were just spamming him in the passing game, 10 targets, 10 receptions, 79 yards, running backs don't matter. Yeah, I appreciate you actually letting one of these zero RB targets get to me in our PFF league, Kevin. You take all of them. I got too many. I got. I mean, I started Ramondre Stevenson and uh, Kenneth Walker, so I'm I'm happy. I got to take down Ace PFF, uh, you know, product. Just do it all, Mike Spitz. Thanks to those thirty points from Dion. Sorry, Mike. Uh, yeah, sorry, everyone. That, that's all. We'll give you guys twenty seconds of our own fantasy teams a week. You can deal with it, and then back to business. So it's a good point, though. Like they might have to pass the ball more. My initial thing was I don't want to buy into Pierce or Campbell because how many times is Matt Ryan going to drop back fifty-eight times? Oh, don't buy Earn... into Campbell. Never buy into Campbell. <laughs> I, will not, I will not allow. Friends don't let friends buy into Campbell. We've seen. I think we've seen enough from him. I know he had the seven for fifty. 57 but anyway never go full Paris Campbell but the big I mean the run blocking issue man I did the same kind of study for the Cowboys that did the Colts and the Cowboys offensive line hasn't been great I think they're 28th and team run blocking grade this year but the Colts drop off really compared to what we come to expect from this group has been significant man Frank Wright got there in 2018 here their yards before contact per carry from 2018 to 2022 1.5 1.4 1.7 1.6 this year Point nine, their team run blocking grade has gone from second to second to third to ninth this year, 25th. So, yeah, Jonathan Taylor, when he comes back, man, like, look, we saw Saquon Barkley look like a complete world beater in the early parts of his career. And even 2019, though, when he came back from that ankle sprain, he wasn't the same guy. Cordero Patterson last year, you know, this happens pulling at Zeke last year with the PCL. Really good running backs, not to slide Zeke in there with a bunch of these guys right now at least at this point in time but you guys know well what I paid. mean well paid running back there we go that's better uh really you know well paid running backs when they get injured yeah they're gonna be at less than 100 especially if they are gonna be coming back you know sooner than they should be and it certainly doesn't seem like an insignificant injury if it's kept Taylor out of the picture for two weeks so I get it, man. Like when Taylor's healthy, we're jamming him in the starting lineups of all shapes and sizes. But like rest of season rankings, Kevin, like with Taylor's workload, a lot of it was under the assumption that he was running behind this big badass offensive line. He was going to be able to work as one of the most efficient running backs in the league, a la what Nick Trump continues to do year after year after year. With Taylor, man, like rest of the season, would you still draft Jonathan Taylor as a top five fantasy running back for the rest of the season? Mm, uh, I mean, maybe number five, but I don't think I would have him. I mean, you got Barkley. I still think McCaffrey's up there. Eckler. Eckler, obviously. And then it's like uh, Taylor versus Henry versus like Fournette. Like there's. Yeah, Henry well, Fournette. I mean, Kamara is like starting to, to, to come back around in a way where I probably still lean. I'd lean Kamara before I would go Taylor. I think even at this point, I mean, he needs the explosive runs. You mentioned the Cowboys running game. The only time we've seen him do something this year is when Tony Pollard has ripped off a big, huge run. So he needs those explosive plays. At least he is the type of player who can get those explosive plays. So he's going to need that. He's going to need touchdowns because the ability to rush the ball 30 times for 
you know, steadily four or five yards a carry is looking difficult this season. And I think it's a good reminder of being careful what we consider like a safe fantasy player. And um, look, Jonathan Taylor, if you didn't think he was the number one pick, he thought he was the number two pick. So I'm not sitting here trying to victory lap that by any stretch of the imagination. Just with Taylor and these running backs, like Nick Chubb, who did it last week, man, it's really awesome until all of a sudden that league best efficiency starts to fall apart. And it doesn't even have to be their specific fault. But just, man, just ru- the run game efficiency is so dependent on everyone else in the offense. Uh, something to keep in mind that as, as gross as someone like Christian McCaffrey's offense can be, the guy overcomes it because of that sweet, sweet pass game volume. All right, third place in this division, we got the two and four Jaguars. How are we feeling about Trevor Lawrence through six games, Kevin? I think you mentioned before in that Jets uh, piece that we were that we were just doing, just the fact that you're not sure that the last year's quarterback class is really going to have this superstar emerge. I will say when things have been pretty perfect for him, it's been okay. Straight drops, no screens, no pressure involved. 15th out of 37 quarterbacks in yards per attempt. He bumps up to seventh in adjusted completion rate. And he's had, you know, over those over these last five weeks, three top 12 finishes uh, in just pure fantasy scoring so he hasn't been bad per se but i'm kind of with you here where i'm still waiting to see again the best most generational quarterback prospect since andrew luck and really haven't seen that even i would say in weeks two and three this year when he was playing some of his better ball yeah yeah i think okay so you want to see some sort of jump in this second year i know there's the whole Josh Allen exists. We get it. (laughs) Okay. It happened. Josh Allen had a massive jump, but I do think you have to differentiate a little bit by saying Josh Allen was not recruited. I don't think at all by a division one school coming out of high school. He went to junior college. Then he went, he basically recruited himself into Wyoming and he was a high prospect even going into his redshirt junior year. Um, But he wasn't a refined prospect, and we talk, we've heard these things about him working on his mechanics even before. Trevor Lawrence has been going to, like, every high-end QB camp, top-rated guy, probably since he was, like, in sixth grade as far as, far as being a quarterback. So I have more difficulty seeing that path for this rapid improvement. It's not like he hasn't been vetted and looked over by the highest-end QB coaches in the entire universe for multiple years now so the inconsistency i think is troubling we haven't seen it we could see it in the second half of this year but i think if we don't see it this year then you have to resign yourself to the fact that he could be maybe a top half quarterback who plays up and down and is probably not going to be that elite guy we have to react to what we're seeing in the evidence that we're getting this week home against the Giants. Jaguars are favored by three. So to Kevin's previous point, the market's certainly not treating the Giants as the five and one juggernaut that they appear to be on. Disrespect. Paper. Nobody believes in us. Hey, Game nobody two. believes in us. Actually, oh. I don't know how to do it. New York. I don't do it. Hey. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Go bet it then. All right. Like yeah. you feel this vehemently, like you disagree with me that strongly. Get get this upset about it. Yeah. Go make some money then and then thank me for you know the bad information, I guess. Not that we're you know just don't tell these money. guys that that they have nerds at these sports books modeling <laughs> this stuff. He's hey, you nerds, you don't know nothing about football. You see Brian Dable, this guy, this guy's incredible. <laughs> 
That's not a bad impression, Kevin. You might, you might, <laughs> you might, you might have something there. All right, game total, Lily forty-two. So I will say, you know, again, in this passing game, we are having last week. I mean, Lawrence twenty for twenty-two. They just really weren't asking him to do all that much out there. So I do think there's a bounce-back spot coming for Christian Kirk. They didn't get him as involved as they did the first three weeks of the year and pay him all that money to have him take this large of a back seat. But I do understand, you know, closer start sit questions. I do have Kirk Moore as a low end wide receiver too. And if you have, you know, an embarrassment of riches at wide receiver, I don't think he's a must start by any stretch. Don't sleep on Zay Jones, someone that was a lot more popular earlier in the year when he was healthy and doing his thing now is available on a decent amount of, you know, smaller league waiver wires, but the run game, Kevin is the kind of funky thing going on. Cause Travis Etienne is very clearly the number one running back in Jacksonville, at least in terms of what he's able to do with the ball in his hands. I mean, yards per carry, 5.6 versus 4.2. He's more yards after contact, missed tackles for us. Yards per route run, he's almost three times in what James Robinson is bringing to the table. And again, I talked about before how some of these stats can be fluky. And with Etienne, I, I recognize that we have these scat backs that – Tony Pollard looks better than Zeke every week and Cleo Herbert looks better than Montgomery sometimes. And maybe sometimes there is an argument for that guy being better. There's also the argument that, you know, the number two, the faster, the, you know, the slasher of the group is getting kind of more so the touches that are tougher, or I'm sorry, that are easier to kind of get these big plays. Whereas someone like James Robinson is being asked to get the hard yards. Where I struggle with that argument, trying to back up James Robinson, is how horrific Robinson has been this year at getting those hard yards. That should be what he's there to do, and he's doing it worse than any running back in the entire league. He's been stuffed for a loss or no gain on a position high, 17.3% of his carries. The only running back in the NFL to not gain two-plus yards after contact on even half of his carries the problem is, man, I don't see this really going anywhere. Doug Peterson has always used these committee backs. Jacksonville seems to have it in their head, even though this is an organization with, I mean, the, I don't think Trent Balky was there when they added James Robinson in the first place, right? He's the one that used the first round pick on DTN. I don't understand their just it's a good story him coming back from the Achilles I'm sure James Robinson is a fantastic human being I would love to see him just be awesome I don't know Kevin how they can continue to look at this and make this a timeshare when clearly ETN has been the more impactful running back do you see this changing or do you unfortunately think that we're dealing with a two RB committee when they can get up in games it's going to be a Robinson week when it's kind of neutral or down probably more ETN God, I didn't realize you were so overexposed to ETN in your fantasy <laughs> leagues. I am. You compiled, you compiled a whole dossier against poor James James Robinson. I was just like, I've been talking bad about this guy for a while. And I was like, whoa, step in here. He averaged, <laughs> you know, he averaged four and a half yards per carry. And you're like, Jermichael Hasty. Why is this, why isn't he playing first in front of in front of James Robinson? Um, yeah, no, I think it's just gonna be a little bit rough. They just turned off their their passing game last week with the game script, the way that it was going uh, maybe ended up costing them in the end when they couldn't convert that fourth down. So yeah, I, I think it's just going to be tough. It's going to be tough. We don't have a high enough high end enough offense for everyone to get home on here. I still do think ETN's going to outscore Robinson, but as long as he's in the picture, I don't think you'd be confident in anyone. 
Yeah. Okay. I think I've said enough about the situation. <laughs> Good point. Last place. Robinson. Jeez. You're going to get a cease and desist letter from his lawyer. Be like, stop compiling these with stats. What are these stats that you're coming? You're just making up stuff now. Apologies to the Robinson family. If you happen <laughs> to tune into this uh, podcast, last place, Houston Texans at one, three and one. There are two things to talk about in Houston. We know Brandon cooks is always going to be doing Brandon cooks things. And he is the wide receiver 23 and expected PPR points per game this year. Just just a wide receiver 43 overall, which makes him our official bounce back player of the week brought to you by sleeper. My favorite place to go play redraft dynasty football, whatever it might be. Again, Brandon cook still very much the cemented number one in Houston. Maybe he's not going to be a top 10, top 15 guy due to some of the inefficiencies I hand with Davis mills under center. But guys, this is Brandon cooks each and every year. He's going to beat his ADP right now. He's not exactly smashing it, but again, the expected versus real points are indicating that he should be on the verge of bigger days ahead. Shout out to Nico Collins. He's been doing some good things as well but brandon cooks i do think should be the guy more times than not but with that out of the way kevin it's the damian pierce show he got a bye week to rest up after forcing an nfl well pff nfl record 17 forced missed tackles on the ground my question for you is this more of something where we should look at it and say holy holy shit like damian pierce best freaking running back in the nfl or is this something you think more so like big time throws? Very cool. Something we love watching. Maybe something that's a little bit more of a style stat. How do you treat kind of forcing missed tackles when looking at running backs overall? Yeah, I think it depends on the running back because ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to gain yards. That's what we're trying to do. Breaking tackles enables players to gain yards. But if you're, I remember Trent Richardson was the example of a guy that had these gaudy broken tackle stats. But the problem was after he break one tackle, he wouldn't go anywhere. And then he'd have to just another guy would tackle him immediately half a yard downfield. So there's a little bit of that. Damian Pierce's game, I think he's got more juice, but he's not necessarily a guy who's going to break off the longest runs, although he has already done that so so far this season. So I think he looks great. The problem is more going to be how often is he going to be in a position to score? He was, even though they stunk, you know, they were not in position very often against the Jags. He was there, which boosted his expected uh, fantasy points numbers. That's going to be the big question for him. And let's, yeah, let's get back to Nico Collins, because again, not a lot to talk about with this team. But coming off of a bye... Someone who got hyped up by Davis Mills. No touchdowns so far this season, which I think has been has been hurting his production. But if you look at it, you know, he had four catches for 65 yards, three catches for 82 yards this season. He had another four for 58 game. If he's getting you 10-ish sort of PPR points without getting in the end zone, that's pretty good. And I think he could have a bigger season uh, in the second half of the year. So, again, we're talking about deep flex, bi-week sort of guy but could turn into more of that. Anything is possible with him going forward. Taking on the Raiders in Las Vegas this week. Raiders seven-point favorites game total at just 45 and a half. Let's move on to that AFC West here. Final four teams in the PFF Fantasy Football AFC Weekly Preview. Your first place Chiefs sitting at four and two. Coming off that close loss against the Bills. A game that, again, they had plenty of chances to, you know, get up, particularly in that first drive of the game. Honestly, the Mahomes touchdown, or he was down at the one-yard line, I guess, to MBS. Illegal man downfield. Travis Kelsey had a ball in his hands. Got knocked away. End up losing by four points i think we were pretty clearly looking at the two top teams in the nfl there with all due respect to the undefeated eagles but kevin we kind of mentioned at the start of the show where juju smith schuster massively outperforming his expected fantasy points and it's just man 
if you showed everyone that Patrick Mahomes, I mean, what is he this year? He's got to be a top five fantasy quarterback. Like if you just show people in the preseason what Mahomes' numbers are this year and said, hey, you're getting this out of Mahomes. Travis Kelsey is going to be the tight end one. But yeah, Mahomes QB4 overall. I, I would have felt a lot better about Juju, MVS, Miko, one of these guys breaking out, but so far none of them have been able to. You look at their overall finishes on the year, and I mean that last game from Juju was really the first time that we got any sort of a ceiling from anybody involved. Unfortunately, man, when it comes on only five targets, and you've talked about it, a lot of broken tackles and things that we usually haven't seen out of Juju this year, it's just problematic to really expect too much moving forward. But this season, Six weeks, Juju had the wide receiver seven finish last week, and uh, MBS was the wide receiver 20 in week five. Only top 24 finishes out of this entire wide receiver room this season. Do you see that changing at all moving forward? And if so, which one of these wide receivers would be most comfortable throwing a dart at? No, I mean, I I just don't like it overall. I mean, we do have this – Juju had 91% routes run. So that was good, especially because we have Sky Moore like exists these last few weeks and he's still maintaining that route share. Um, But luckily people cannot dunk on a podcast because I will bring up some more numbers here for Juju Smith-Schuster. He had his worst targets per route run of the season. Well, of the last four weeks, he had his worst uh, air yard number of the last four weeks, lowest target share, all that sort of stuff he didn't do anything anymore this week. So I don't, I didn't get that encouragement. That's that you may want from this sort of option. And like I mentioned, Sky Moore is now starting to play 25, 30% of snaps. Michael Hardman's maybe half of the snaps. Uh, Valdez Scantling is also going to be up in the eighties. So it's spread out enough where it makes, makes things difficult. One thing, Sky Moore, I got to get some off my chest here. This is a little, it's not really related to fantasy as much, but 24 do we have to do that for a wide receiver like i i don't know about you me i'm starting to feel very curmudgeon old man recently where i'm i'm done with this new uniform number thing for these skill position players i'm tired of confusing um joshua palmer and gerald everett every other play when when they're catching the ball could we just get the right numbers for for these guys and you know you you could keep the teens. I like the team numbers for the wide receivers, but can we not have this? Everyone has to be single digits. Twenty four is a wide receiver. That should be illegal. I'm sorry. That should completely be illegal. I miss my wide receivers wearing eighty, and you know we yeah, kind of, and even the ones that do. T Higgins, he was supposed to switch to number five. He said he was going to last year, but he's still rocking eighty five for now. Unfortunately, you know we do have the Cowboys lineage of eighty eight, which is awesome, and I enjoy the CD Lamb Chipotle commercial with Pearson, Irvin, and even Dez out there doing uh doing their thing. But even then, unfortunately, in Dallas, as much as we should be able to appreciate CD, we then have Noah Brown rocking eighty five, and they kind of look confusing sometimes, which is honestly a testament to how good. Good. Noah Brown has looked for portions of the past two seasons. Uh, more on him in our NFC podcast. But I will say I've come around more on the Sky Moore number 24 only because of how dreadful the rest of these wide receivers have generally looked. So now I'm less like, oh, look at that number 24 and more like, oh, thank God. Maybe we can actually have someone with the level of explosiveness. Well, running going. backs refuse to wear numbers in the 20s anymore. So I guess it's okay. Everyone wants a single digit number. That's going to be the future. Just a bunch of guys wearing one through nine and we have no idea who has the ball at any point in time this week in san francisco kc three point favorites game total about 48 and a half i think we've kind of talked about most of this again claude Edwards hilaire he has he has the workload of a low-end borderline rb2 that's probably what he's going to be most of the season as awesome as that top five stretch was earlier in the year so let's talk about the second place four and two los angeles chargers so justin herbert 
I, I didn't want to get a bunch of people angry. I mean, I mentioned this. I, I was busy morning, Kevin. Didn't want to do it. Um, if you take the player A, player B, and do Justin Herbert versus Kirk Cousins, it's way closer than I think people would be at all interested in seeing. Yards per attempt, 6.7 versus 6.6. Kirk has actually been more accurate. And Herbert, man, like these are two of the only six quarterbacks in the league with a sub-seven-yard average target depth. Bailey Zappi, Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, and Justin Herbert. And we saw this last year. It was a low-average target depth, and it's also Herbert doing a really good job taking care of the ball he's number three in the fewest uh i mean the lowest turnover worthy play rate which is good but i don't know if it's that good when you're justin freaking herbert kevin is there something to be said here that a guy like justin herbert is doing his offensive disservice by not being more aggressive i mean perhaps he was under a lot of pressure last week so it's it's difficult. I mean, last year he was a top five quarterback in his efficiency, despite the fact that everyone was yelling from the rooftops and needed to throw it downfield so much. This year, 17th and expected points added per play, 12th in grading after being fourth last year. So there's been a drop off. There was the rib issue, which I think has exacerbated the tendency to go short with these passes and avoid taking hits and avoiding pressure. And, you know, con- receivers control a dot a lot of the time here. So if you're saying, well, we need to get more targets to, you know, DeAndre Carter down the field. If that's your solution, then I don't know if that's good for, for an offense either. But a little bit, you know, he did get some pass interference calls that don't end up showing up in the actual stats when he's throwing it down the field because the guys are not really separating. So it's it's tough. It's tough. I just don't know if they have a guy to go down the field because Josh Palmer, when he was in college, he looked like he could do that periodically. He looks very just jaggish in the NFL now that he's had a few opportunities here. I'm not, you know, burying him, but I may be starting to, you know, sprinkle a little sand on his feet uh, for the eventual burying of, of Josh Palmer as being some guy when he has the opportunity who could step up and do something. It's worked out because he's gotten the targets based on Keenan being out. But to your point, I mean, if you would have told people that he's just Palmer, not special, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, Keenan Allen's played like a half of football and Palmer's the wide receiver 42. Like I would have definitely taken him finishing top 36 in that if I just would have had that had that opportunity to guess that, you know, before the season. Did have the wide receiver 20, 22 finish last week. And yeah, four penalties on that poor cornerback uh, on the Broncos. Unfortunately, could not, you know, just keep his hands off him. We'll see if he can keep it going. It does seem like Keenan Allen's return is imminent from that hamstring injury so that is going to change things a little bit this week though I'm just not too worried about it they are facing the Seahawks 31st ranked scoring defense and this is a game total week high 51 points so Mike Williams keep jamming him in starting lineups yeah I know he had a bad week last week it's Mike Williams he's a boom boom bust receiver like he's gonna boom more than he bust you live with it we don't complain I guess we kind of do complain like this with Gabriel Davis as well but it's it's how the guy plays deal with it he's still going to give you plenty of wide receiver one production he and al whenever he's healthy get out there and again in this matchup if there is going to be a time to flex josh palmer okay but i would be hesitant on expecting him to keep up you know anything close to this wide receiver three production when he's not giving us those big plays out there only thing i would know is you know for you wide receiver cornerback just really focusing on those matchups people uh Tariq, what's his freaking name trick woolly the he's got four straight picks i should know this apologies Tariq Woolen, yeah 
All right, trick one. He plays 91% of his snaps as the uh, defense's right cornerback. So that is not a shadow situation. This would be, I mean, that dude's 6'4". He's got great ball skills. Like, if there is a cornerback that can give Mike Williams some problems on contested catches, it would be Tariq. So this is a rare instance where if that was the shadow matchup, I do think a downgrade for Williams would be warranted. The Seahawks have never played their cornerbacks that way. You can go back to Richard Sherman's prime. They were still hesitant to use him in shadow coverage. Don't be fading Mike Williams. Even if there's a fire, you better have freaking five top 12 wide receivers on your team if you're even thinking about putting him on the bench. Let's go ahead and talk about the Broncos. Well, actually, one, one thing I want to mention quickly when it comes to the Chargers. Sorry, I didn't know if you're transitioning you're somewhere else. But we don't know if Josh Kelly is going to play or not. So if you're in desperation, desperation, <laughs> desperation mode, uh, maybe maybe put Sony Michelle on on your roster, and you know he could fall into the end zone, and you could you could have a decent week this week. That's you know it's something to think about at least. God forbid something happens to Austin Eckler. I'm knocking on wood, everyone. Don't worry. He is on pace to catch 116.2 passes this season. NFL record is McCaffrey at 116 in 2019. So God forbid you take that out of it. Sony Michelle would be on the top of every single waiver wire column come week eight. Third place Broncos at two and four. Russ had the bad game, made up the hamstring injury, and now you know we're dealing with the after effects. I joke. How dare you? In the eyes I of joke. God, in the eyes of Jesus, he would. De- Come on. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Did you see the reply? Uh, yeah, uh, Russ tweets out pregame like glory to Jesus or something. I just saw a quote tweet. It was like, don't bring him into this. Like he yeah. didn't. He didn't ask for this. But yes, not good. And um, I, I just look at this man. Russ is playing so much worse than even last year, Russ, in Seattle. We did see Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina, of all places, enable three top 25 wide receivers. He goes to Denver last year, not doing much. We got Drew Locke reportedly pushing Geno Smith, the freaking one king we know, Geno Smith, over in Seattle. Are we positive that Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and KJ Hamler, and you know healthy scratch Alberto, is this really such a great situation for all these quarterbacks to be in, Kevin, or am I just making excuses for what has been a very bad start to a Broncos tenure by Russell Wilson? I mean, if this much is going bad, and again, just to get the level of, ha- of badness here, we're talking about this is Russell Wilson. Let me go through his PFF grading by season starting in 2015. He was sixth, sixth, this is ranking, 10th, sixth, first, sixth, 16th, and now 31st this season. So when this much is going bad, it's not just the quarterback, it's not just the receivers, it's not just the play caller. This is the uh, proverbial shit sandwich that they're all uh, they all contributed to and are all taking a huge bite out of right now. Uh, but Russell Wilson is definitely not helping his cause. We had a little bit of a hope there. I mean, I, I felt a little something stirring inside in the beginning of the game when he started 10 for 10. Of course, he takes sacks when he starts for 10 for 10. But still, he starts 10 for 10. They move it down the field. He looks. They looked in rhythm. They were snapping the ball with like 15 seconds left on the play clock as opposed to every single play looking like they're going to burn a timeout or take a false start as they were the first couple of weeks things were looking a little bit in rhythm and then it just fell apart at the end so I don't know what to say I don't know how much of it this is the fact that he has this shoulder injury going on and now the hamstring injury is going on it's going on he's got a lot of stuff a lot of stuff going on there I don't know is he gonna play he's played through a lot he's doesn't miss time really so other than when it was necessary and even then he came back pretty quickly from that finger injury before uh things are bad though things are bad putting nathaniel hackett at the top of your uh he him and ron rivera at the top of your uh potentially going to get fired before the season even ends list 
Name of the game is trying to score points, and the Broncos rank dead last in that goal. I mean, still we, can't score in the red zone, too. I mean, they got the longer pass to Dolchich, but you know, st- still not, still not been able to score when they get down there. They scored more than sixteen points one time, once this whole season. God, yeah. it's just absolutely brutal. We'll, we'll see if Russ is able to play through the pain. If not, man, we're getting the Brett Ripien experience, which again, I don't know how things could get worse in Denver, but I think putting Brett Ripien under center could actually help show us uh, exactly how this week facing the Jets at home. Denver, one and a half point favorites somehow over your upstart four and two New York Jets. So Vegas not completely burying the Broncos just yet. Offense though, maybe game total just at 39 and a half. The Broncos defense has been playing uh, very well aside. I mean, yeah, that's the other side of the thing though. We had, we had the Broncos and Raiders game. They, they lost 32 to 23. If you take that game out, this defense hasn't allowed more than 20 points this year, even despite having some matchups, you know, against the Seahawks offense is better than we thought. And even that Chargers group last week, holding them to 19 points. So credit to the defense, maybe just maybe they can build on that aforementioned good start from last week. Real quickly on the backfield, Latavius Murray came in. You know, he's 32 years of age. Doesn't matter. Took Melvin Gordon's job, seemingly. 49% snaps, though. 15 carries and one target. Mike Boone, 35% snaps. Melvin Gordon, 35% snaps. For now, Kevin, I have Latavius Murray this week as my... RB 32, because I don't believe in this sticking. I don't believe in this offense. And I certainly don't believe in old man Latavius Murray at this point. So the one consistency we've seen in this backfield has been the inconsistency. We had to sit here and talk about Javante Williams himself not even playing 50% of the snaps. I find it hard to believe that any of these guys are really going to take over. And honestly, that the Broncos are even done adding to this room in the first place. So that's kind of my biggest thing. When I see a veteran come in like this and immediately get elevated, that tells me that, you know, what happens when Latavius cools off? Maybe they bring another one in. So anything to do with Latavius Murray? (laughs) You know, I mean, let's face it. When you have Javante Williams, right? You have a certain type of running back. You need to share the load You because you're not quite, you know, you have your early second round pick. You're sharing the load with Melvin Gordon. When you get Latavius Murray, though, you just let him go. You just let that guy just ride, ride him like a stallion, okay? Another brilliant strategical strategery uh, there going on from that, that coaching staff. Yeah, I think I have more around RB30 because it seems like Gordon is, like, dead to me dead like cam Akers, dead pretty soon sort of situation there and boone is booning it up um he looks pretty good but he's just i don't think he's ever gonna be a guy they're gonna trust to so you're gonna see latavius murray uh run and fall forward many times this next week and that alone could get some production Last place, one and four Raiders coming off the bye. And Derek Carr has been pretty terrible this year. And we can say it's always been Derek Carr. Derek Carr, at least in the John Gruden years, had some highs for stretches. Last year, before the Henry Ruggs uh, debacle went down, I mean, Carr legitimately had like top five numbers in most statistics. Not fantasy points because he didn't have the volume going for him. But just in terms of, you know, the more advanced metrics we use to measure real life quarterback play, he was really good. Not so much this year. PFF great. He's tied for 27th with guys like Kyla Murray and Zach Wilson. Bottom eight quarterback and turnover worthy play rate, adjusted completion rate. Like when, when you look at this, Kevin, again, I know you haven't been the biggest Derek Carr fan on this podcast, so maybe it's just as simple as it's Derek Carr. But like, do you think there's time now coming off the bye? They're still learning Josh McDaniel's system. I mean, there is a lot of talent in this system. This passing game should be better. Do you think it will be at any point this year? Yeah, I think it'll be better. I just don't think it's going to be high end. And when you have Adams there and when you have Renfro who can attract targets, 
Uh, I guess Waller, you know, we're, 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 he's not really, you know, he's, you're not going to have to worry about him necessarily soaking up targets. How long is – what's the deal with Waller? When, how long is he going to be out for? We'll find out. I, I don't know. We haven't gotten the, an update, I don't think. I'll, okay, I'll so, yeah, up. so we'll, we'll find out about Waller, what's going to happen there. I just think it's going to be tough when you're spreading it that thin. Also, they've been liking to run the ball maybe a little bit more than you would have seen with Gruden in the past. I do think, though, that Derek Carr – he hasn't. He, he has been playing well, but Derek Carr, maybe Aaron Rodgers, uh, who else? Herbert probably is another guy who hasn't been that great this year. Joe Burrow for part of the season. They should just all be sending thank you notes to Russell Wilson for soaking <laughs> up everyone's hate and everyone's bust talk the entire time. Those guys have been a little bit freer, I think, to escape at least on a national level the heat that they should be getting this season. It really just has been a league-wide putrid effort, and we're just throwing all that hate on Russell Wilson because he keeps playing in prime time. I think that's the main. <laughs> yeah, that's part there. of it. And he keeps stop TikToking. Yeah, stop it with stop. the TikToks, please. Stop it for the love this, of God. This week at home against the Texans. Oh Jesus! Sorry, Jesus. Raiders favorite by seven. Game total forty-five and a half. Look, you know we got Devontae Adams out out there. I did see an update that they're treating this, you know, assault case with the camera guy as a. (laughs) It's under the personal conduct policy, so they're going to let it play out legally before Adams faces any suspension. I mean, look when when they're able to push back like Alvin Kamara's like legitimate assault. Not to say that cameraman wasn't, you know, completely. Whatever, but like when they can push yeah, if that album- happens. Okay, if that happens in the tunnel, we never hear about this again. It's right. just like it's just who cares? No one's talking about. It, no one's ever. Now he's got whiplash. That's the official report. He's got whiplash. His doctor doctor said he needs a bacchiotomy, so he's he's in big trouble. Great movie, but spare me that. Come on, man. So, look, I'm not worried about Devontae getting suspended, open to changing opinion if we get new information, but it does seem like something that's going to Oh, a check's going to get cut. I mean, yeah. just get your check. Get your check and go, buddy. We don't need this. We don't need to bring the state into this. He's getting that bet MGM money. I think Devontae is doing absolutely fine these days. So you're firing him up. If Waller's out, that is going to be a nice boost for Hunter Renfro, and we could see Foster Moreau come in and take on an every-down role. He's been a little banged up, too, though, so I would be a little worried about that really inexplicably other than Devonte adams josh adams is the most sure thing in this offense and dude, he's just been awesome this year with the ball in his hands pfs highest graded pure rusher this season among 39 qualified backs seventh in yards per carry third in yards after contact per carry third in missed tackles force per carry he's caught at least five passes in three straight games his previous 45 career contests only did that five times so I'm a believer in Josh Jacobs the rest of the season, Kevin. We thought this was going to be, you know, New England, Southwest, three, four running backs involved. It's really been the Josh Jacobs show consistently throughout these first six weeks. Yeah, it has. And, you know, we're well beyond the point now where you have to worry about, is it going to, you know, is this going to keep up? Is this a guy that you want to sell high on? Those sort of things. I just, you know, you're probably not going to hit a point right now where the value actually still matches up to what people's perception is of him. So you're riding them and you're extremely happy because that means you hopefully were able to draft a high-end wide receiver or someone else early who is doing well for your roster. Yeah, Josh Jacobs, certainly the crown jewel of the fabled dead zone RB area, at least for now. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up the AFC preview edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm going to get a cup of coffee. And guess what? Kevin and I are going to record NFC in just about five minutes. But first, Kevin, people can find you on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF, always saying some good stuff on the Unexpected Points Podcast and usually pissing off at least one fan base a week, whether they like it or not. What else you got going on over at PFF.com? 
Yeah, so same same stuff uh, this week. We got the quarterback rankings, the showdown pieces. I'm going to try to do a piece next week going over more of my adjusted, expected, whatever you want to call them, scores that people can get mad at print now, not just get mad in <laughs> podcast and Twitter form. And also, if you follow me, Kevin Cole, PFF on Twitter, I normally send out a slew of different graphs and visualizations that everyone can pick out how much they either hate their team and how things are going or how much they love their team. I just like it when I send something out about pressure versus clean pocket passing. Josh Allen is like really, really good against pressure. And people are like, oh, this is all the Bills fans love that. Zach Wilson's awful against pressure, but really, really good in clean pockets. And then then the Jets fans are saying, oh, so you just have to get better. You can find anything you want in these different charts. So uh, a chart is worth a thousand words and a, a thousand biased words when it comes to the different fan bases and how they interpret it. For Kevin, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.